God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So, let me ask you that question. What does God tell me? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when did God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially, the, the Bible is a, a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident. And I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, I just had some bad pizza. Jesus said we'd recognise his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Does our personality have anything to do with hearing God's voice? How does our human imagination, our thinking and intuition interact with the spirit? Our guest today calls our human interaction with God a dance where God never violates our humanness and the journey to wholeness is the place where theology and psychology meets. Hi, and welcome to the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, practical theologian, author, and the founding director of God Conversations, a ministry that equips you to recognize and respond to God's voice. Welcome to the show, everyone. Well, today is a great episode. It's all about psychology, a psychological perspective on hearing God. And we have a very special guest. He's an apostolic leader based out of the US. He's a minister. He's a media personality, an academic, a prophet, and he's got qualifications in both psychology and theology with two doctorates. But he's also happy to call himself a dysfunctional Italian from New York City. Dr. and Bishop Mark Sharona is our guest on the show today, and he's got quite the story. Really looking forward to this conversation. You know, growing up in church, psychology was seen to be a bit of an enemy to spirituality. And to be honest, I don't actually know how that could have worked. I, I don't understand how that happened, but... What I love about Mark is that he integrated these two areas so thoughtfully and beautifully, drawing from his own experience and also from academia. So I think you're going to love the conversation. And as always, if you know of someone perhaps who has an interest in this area, who is very thoughtful in thinking about the role of the human mind in hearing God's voice, I encourage you to pass this episode on to somebody who might be blessed by it. We'd love to get the word out about the God who speaks. Now, on to our conversation. Mark, so great to have you on the show all the way from Florida. It's evening over there, I believe. It is, Tanya. It's great to be with you. And we've just been talking about how you have completed your PhD. Congratulations. Thank you. I first met you, I think, Um, in a conference in the States, and we were both embarking on our PhDs, comparing notes. And, yeah, um, it was great. Your your book is wonderful, the, which the published work of the PhD is just phenomenal. So. Oh, thank you. It was an honour to have you endorse it. I think I, I just remember being so excited to meet someone else who has such a love of the Holy Spirit and the prophetic, but who also was a thinker. And, you know, just hearing about your incredible desire to learn and your understanding and qualifications, as well as combined with your church experience and your walk with God. It's a beautiful gift to have you share with us today. So thank you so much for being on the show. I'm honored to be here. It's great to share with all the folk that know you. 
So many of the listeners in the States will know you already, largely through your media ministry and beyond, I think. But perhaps if you'd like to introduce a little bit of your story to the rest of the God Conversations audience, tell us a little bit about Mark and your journey and how did you get to be doing what you're doing now? Oh, I'm I'm a dysfunctional Italian from New York City. So <laughs> I was, we we wrote the book on dysfunction, and so I've been dysfunctional my whole life, even post Jesus. I'm dysfunctional, but back growing up, um, you know, I, I I grew up in a Presbyterian church. We were we were mostly. My great uncle Frank started the first Italian Protestant chapel of all things in New York. And um, it's a, it's odd to find Italian Protestants. Most of them are Catholic. And so um, I grew up in a Presbyterian church, and uh, it was a really good foundation um, for many reasons. But I, I was disillusioned by the, the lack of evidence, even as a young child, of the the power of god and so i dabbled as a result of that in metaphysics and esoteric christianity and even a little bit in the occult um because of experiences i had that i didn't have a category for so my journey into um my radical conversion to Jesus at 19 and being radically filled with the Holy Spirit um, within a number of weeks and leading my whole band to Jesus because we were on, well, I was on my way to, I wanted to make it in the entertainment business and we were well on our way, but I led the band to Jesus and uh, my drummer was already saved. And, um, but then we began to write and play and travel and, sing gospel music and and original stuff and i started preaching right away i was preaching within two or three weeks of being saved and filled with the spirit and uh i haven't stopped so this year i'll celebrate in december 50 years of preaching oh my gosh you don't look that yeah. old mark <laughs> you i was i was i was three years old when i got sick <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. it's interesting mark hearing you chat because i think our journeys have some parallels i was raised in quite a conservative church and hit the age of 21 and thought exactly the same i don't have much evidence my yeah. my faith is very cerebral and i knew the stuff in theory but i just hadn't seen fruit of it in a, in a kind of a tangible way. I think I'd seen godly, beautiful uh, character, but I hadn't seen the power of God. I hadn't seen the supernatural. So that's what got me walking in this Holy Spirit journey as well. So in the early 20s, you had a radical... Uh, yeah, I was, I was 19 and it was at the height of the Jesus People movement here in America. And yeah. so I got swept up in all of that and... Um, the rest is history. You mentioned um, you were involved in the cult, so you were having experiences and perhaps you had two different types of spiritual experiences. What was the difference between those? Well, you know, prior to coming to Jesus, I definitely knew the devil. The devil was real. Um, that's the, And that scared me enough to make me realize, well, if the devil is real, Jesus must be real. Um, 
I, I wasn't intentionally dabbling. I, you know, I thought I was in involved in in the good side of the dark side of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and part of that, Tanya, was there would be things as a child and as as a young adult, I would have these experiences of knowing things about people, and I I had no context for even thinking from a charismatic perspective that some of those ways are knowing are tied to prophetic inclinations. Um, so, and because it wasn't talked about in our church growing up, I started gathering a library of materials. Um, and again, for whatever reason, I metaphysical and um, today we call it new age, but it was the metaphysical side of um because i was always a reader and and then esoteric christianity which used the language of jesus but was very much um on the side of the mystery and the enchantment of the supernatural it, it seemed to resonate with the fact that there were things i didn't have a category for that i was experiencing um before I discovered that God had his hand on my life. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that I think in the Western world these days, um, there's a real desire <laughs> for spirituality and there's a real desire for esoteric experiences. And here we have an opportunity to offer the God part of that, if you like. Yeah. But um you so you you came into following Jesus. And then you started going down the road of ministry and preaching. And yeah. now five decades later, you've just completed a PhD. Mm -hmm. Do you want to just give us that? Now, I know I know what's involved in that. So, And when people ask me, what was your PhD about? You can't stop me talking. In a few sentences, here's the challenge for you, Mark. What did you find out? Okay, so the journey academically brought me to the PhD. So my undergraduate work, I was a, I ended up double majoring in music and religion because of, um, I always wanted to be a musician, so that was already going. And then because of my conversion to Jesus, I, um, I began to study religion. I studied Greek. Um, I had a year of Greek and I, the, um, and so I, 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 I found myself um wanting to um figure out what makes people tick and that was a lifelong journey so once i graduated college i went to bible school in brooklyn at the church i was going to at the time during the charismatic renewal of jesus people movement malcolm smith was a major figure malcolm was in brooklyn all of my friends from college were going there and i went there it, be it became my home church and I went through the Bible school. I could have gone to Princeton Seminary. I didn't. I'd rather. I rather. I preferred to sit in the basement of a a, a a church in Brooklyn for three and a half years with ex drug addicts that found Jesus. So I didn't want to go to seminary. Yeah. Um, and so I and we got a really great Bible education. It wasn't like it wasn't um, valid. It was good. It wasn't accredited, but it was a good education. And. Um, then we ended up, my wife and I ended up in ministry. And then fast forward, um, when we finally began to pioneer a church, I was already reading voraciously theology books and psychology books because I felt like they needed to be in conversation. 
And I didn't quite know what I was doing, but I had this sense that both of them needed to be in conversation. And I ended up um, at some point in um, at the turn of the millennium, I went back to school, to graduate school. I enrolled in an MA PhD program in, in psychology. I was 43 credits away from my PhD in psych, and I hit the perfect storm. The book I wrote, On the Edge of Hope, which was about the really dark season I went through from 2007 to 2011. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Severe anxiety, severe depression, severe sleeplessness. Mm. Um, I felt totally abandoned by God. Um, so so I, I never finished the psych degree. And then when I came out of that dark season, I wanted to go back. My doctoral chair had passed away. And I applied to a couple of the schools that were related to where he was. And I was accepted, but I just... I was uncertain. And so I called Leonard Sweet, who's a dear friend, and I know I knew him before that. And Len said, why don't you parlay those credits for, since you're prophetic, why don't you parlay them for what I'm doing with applied semiotics and future studies? So semiotics is the study of signs, as in signs, wonders, and miracles. And sure enough, I ended up in the DMIN program at George Fox University. And so in 216, I um I, I submitted my thesis and it was on prophetic perception in relationship to Jesus, but I never felt like I finished. And so when I met Ken Archer, he said, "Are you finished?" And I said, "I'm 62. I'm done." And he says, "I don't think you're done." And so he persuaded me. I applied to the University of Birmingham, and here we are, um, six years later. I've got the PhD in prophetic legitimacy, and. What I did, Tanya, was I, I, I integrated theology, psychology, and phenomenology, which is the study of human experience. And I dealt with prophetic consciousness, prophetic perception, and prophetic enactment, prophetic acts. But enactment, Luke Timothy Johnson, prophetic Jesus, prophetic church, speaks of prophetic enactments. But I... I dealt with what what is prophetic consciousness, what is prophetic perception, and then how does that lead to prophetic enactments? And within that, where does my personal subjectivity have a part to play in that? And how much of what goes on needs to be understood in light of the fact that everything God does never violates our humanness? Mm. So we've got cognitions, perceptions, intuitions, imaginations. And so at that place, wherever the divine and the human interact, he never violates the way he made us as human. And so there's this dance, this participation with the spirit that has to be gracing us to be able to yield to um, insights and intuitions that keep coming that um god knows how to repeat himself let's put it that way and 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 we never want to separate the scriptures from the son of god or the spirit of god because the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy capital s in my estimation so the son and the spirit are the father's economy for accomplishing what he wants to accomplish and I discern that voice by how well I approach the sacred text. Hmm. That's the bridge for me to all of that awareness and self-reflection and 
contemplative, prayerful, watchful silence. Elisha says to the prophets that think they know what's about to happen, don't you know? And he says, yes, practice watchful silence. Mm. Be still. You think you know more than you know. Mm. And prophetic insight requires you being a lot quieter and more contemplative than you are right now. Oh, I love that. I, I love, too, the observation that the spirit interacts with our humanness. And this is where psychology and spirituality meet. It's interesting to me, Mark, because I um, obviously am not ever being trained in psychology, but I find myself swimming in those waters when I'm helping people hear God's voice because our humanity is involved. And I remember looking at a study where um, certain personality types are more intuitive than others and pick up on the nuances of spirituality and then there are other types that are not so much so that whole area just fascinates me how do how does our humanness impact our hearing of God's voice what are what are a couple of things that you just from a practical point of view discovered in that process just thinking of the the plethora of different personality types of the people who are listening yeah, well, you know, now now the Myers-Briggs um, personality term it comes from the work of the late Carl Jung, the eminent Swiss psychologist who was in many ways the real founder of analytical psychology. He was preceded by Freud. They parted company over Freud's belief that the unconscious was all about sexual repression or suppression. And Jung had spent enough time paying attention to his own dreams that he realized, (laughs) you know, there's certainly a sexual component to all of us, but that's not the total content of our unconscious language. The dream is, Freud said, the dream is the royal road to the unconscious. But what Jung does is Jung, because he's raised in a Swiss reformed Calvinistic setting that's very legalistic, he reacts to all of it. And he spends his journey trying to reconcile the scriptures and the Jesus he heard about with what he experiences in life. Yes. And in the process, he studies personalities. And, and, you know, there's there's in the Myers-Briggs, you know, there's the feeler, the sensor, the intuitor, the thinker, the judger, the perceiver, and 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 the combinations of those. extrovert, introvert. So the big ones are extrovert and introvert. Um, Believe it or not, I'm more introverted than I am extroverted, but I've had to be extroverted because of the work I do, because I'm in the people helping business. But there's a lot of folk that, um, because they are introverted, there's a lot more that goes on inside them that they don't bring to speech. And I have found that when it comes to people that have a leaning toward the prophetic, a lot of them can be talkative, but the ones that really seem to have what I would call a prophetic temperament from an intuitive side are far more introverted and spend a lot more time in self-reflection. 
and self-awareness and you can't be self-aware without being god aware if you're really moses hides his face when god reveals himself because he's afraid to look at god because god awareness and self-awareness are deeply interacted so when augustine in his augustine wrote a famous poem but the opening line is lord jesus let me know myself let me know you so he starts with god awareness lord jesus then all of a sudden it's self-awareness let me know myself and then back to god awareness let me know you and and I, I find that people that are reflective, people that meditate and ruminate on scripture and find themselves easily more comfortable reading and meditating on scripture and reading different things are far more inclined to be listening for that still small voice than people that have to be the life of the party mm, that is extroverts are so busy making sure that everybody knows they're in the room that you know they don't know that they're in the room <laughs> it's a profound not, yeah. observation mark you know, oh I, food for thought we are talking today with Dr. Mark Sharona, all the way from Florida in the USA. Mark is an academic, a pastor, and a leader, a prophet, and a media person, um, and has an incredible ministry. We're talking all things hearing God's voice and psychology. We'll be back in just a moment. Hearing God's voice is one of the most important ways we get to know God, yet so many fail to experience it. Here at God Conversations, we're committed to equipping people all over the world to recognize and respond to God's voice. It's a big vision, so we'd like to give you the opportunity to join with us by investing in the ministry. You can become a partner either by sponsoring a special project or by giving on a monthly basis. If you're unable to give financially, we would so value your prayers for God's continued hand of favor as we seek to reach people all over the world. For more information on partnership, go to godconversations.com slash partners. So, Mark, you've just made a comment about the extroverts amongst us, and the extroverts who are listening are thinking, hang on a minute, that's a bit rough. <laughs> are you telling me that I have to stop talking to hear God's voice? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I, no, but I, but I do think that there is a sense in which if I look at the prophetic, carefully, if I study the characters and the temperaments of everyone from Abraham to Malachi, and even if I look at, at um, and by the way, there's plenty of women in there too. You know, you've got Huldah, you've got Deborah. They're a deep, profound insight. Deborah is a poet. She's a lyricist. So she writes songs. Um, I'm a musician. You you get around, you know, the the Levites in David's day were able to prophesy because they spent their time ministering to the Lord. So there's a profound connection between creativity and prophetic expression. And when you get around, listen, I was a musician first, so I, I know musicians well. When musicians get in the pocket, they're not going to be talking to you. They're lost somewhere in an altered state. I'm not, they're, they're, their consciousness is like absorbed. <laughs> they're absorbed yes. in arenas where they're making, they're making melodies, but they're hearing things intuitively 
that I don't think that when we're so busy and bubbly on the surface, we I'm not saying we can't be intuitive, but it seems to me that, and I, I want to do further work on this. It's one of the things I, I've left undone in my research, but I, I am persuaded that there there is a difference between the bubbly personality and the more reflective. Mm. And I find that the more reflective personalities tend to be more introverted. You've got to draw them out. And most of the prophets in the Old Testament didn't want to be what God called them to be. Yeah, it's interesting um, reflecting on that admonition, be still and know that I'm God. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I firmly believe that um, it's it's not the place of introversion or, or um, what is it, quietness that determines the ability to hear God's voice because we can hear God's voice at any time. However, I think that hearing God's voice takes us on a journey that calls us into quietness and calls mm -hmm. us into self-reflection and calls us to know ourselves. I've certainly found that in my own life. And I think this is where the spirituality and the psychology meet, because as the Holy Spirit exposes areas of my heart and shines truth on them, I've found myself going on a healing journey that inevitably lands in the realm of psychology, I would say. Uh, and you see that beautiful overlapping of spirituality and psychology, I think, because at the goal is wholeness. Yes. As we, as we know God, we know ourselves, and as we know ourselves, we can come to know each other because that's where the relationship possibilities open up. So for you, what does that look like for you, Mark, having come from your background and your backstory? What is what has that meant for you? What does hearing the Spirit look like in terms of your journey into wholeness, if I could ask that? Yeah, <coughs> I am profoundly aware that brokenness and beauty commingle in me at my depths and have for the whole of my life and will till I go home to be with Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that as an excuse. Neither am I saying that I don't believe that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Paul, at the end of his life, before he's beheaded, says he's the chief of sinners. And I don't think he's just saying that to make an impression. I think he's profoundly aware that we're not fully perfected and made fully and truly human until we're in the presence of the truly human one in the glorified state. So that our pain and our suffering are teachers that teach us how to listen, mm. teach us how to hear. Mm. And I don't think we talk about that enough. I think we have been so inundated with make this decree and it'll come to pass and everything is magical thinking i just have the authority to say it and it'll happen you know you live long enough and you discover this is really not scriptural but it sells and in a consumer driven society we want quick easy fixes so we want to avoid the fellowship of his sufferings we want the power of his resurrection but we want it without the cross-shaped life and there is no prophetic integrity without cruciformity. Mm. So the cross has to touch all of us, introvert, extrovert, perceiver, feeler, thinker, intuitor, judger, sensor. The prophetic 
is everything has to be filtered through the martyrdom of Jesus. It's the cross-shaped life, and Jesus is the way, and that way is cross-shaped, and the cross of Christ is the throne of God. So my psyche has to be taken through a process of integration where all the false aspects of myself get sacrificed at the cross so that the true self can rise out of those ashes <clears throat> and more and more express the true humanity in Jesus that I've been called to express. And so my learning is tied to my willingness to let go of those false aspects of the self and let come the awareness that the true to God person Christ made me to be can only be fully birthed through the cross-shaped life. Yeah. I remember very clearly early on in my God conversation journey, Mark, just reflecting on what you're saying. I, God spoke to me about my future and made me all these wonderful promises. <clears throat> oh, Tanya, I'm going to call you to this ministry and la, la, la. And I just remember being so excited. And then very soon after that, I was in a moment of worship and I saw a picture of a, of a road and it went up to a mountain and then it round up the wound up the mountain and on top of the mountain was a cross. Mm. And I remember looking at it thinking, oh, that's nice. You know, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that kind of, oh, yeah, that's, that's appropriate. That feels right, you know. And 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 you know, going home and thinking, oh, great, God's speaking to me, awesome. And then years later, reflecting on that, realizing, oh, when I hear God's voice, it's going to lead me to a cross. Absolutely, because <laughs> Christ does the will of the Father, like the Father, like the Son. So Jesus' willingness to die is an expression of God's willingness to die for the whole human race and so if we love him we yeah. die with him yes and then and then as i and as i experienced that experienced what it meant for the selfishness and the sin and the brokenness to die and then experiencing the resurrection of, oh, and yeah. and feeling like i feel more like tanya than i've ever felt before absolutely like this this beauty and this you know, road towards wholeness. And I think this is where we see the humanness meet with God because God makes us more like ourselves because mm -hmm. God deals with all the baggage and the brokenness and the sin. And therefore it, it, it positions me towards healing and it positions me to understand myself and know God and know others, I think. And that's been, for me, that's been the beauty of hearing God's voice. As yeah, the sure. cruciform life. What does that yeah. look like for you, Mark? Oh gosh! Um, <laughs> Can you perhaps I, share I, something um, from your own? I think there's always opportunities to, you know, Jesus um, emptied himself. He emptied all that love from heavenly, glorious, divine reality. He emptied all that love into humanness and didn't regard grasping for power as God anything that of any, he made himself of no reputation. Um, as best as we can, we need to let the spirit take us on that journey. Now we fall miserably short of Jesus and probably even short of Paul and Peter and John. But um, as we make that journey to the cross, 
we find that the cross of Christ is the throne of God. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's the meeting place. That's where we meet yeah. the presence of God. That's yeah. quite profound. I love that. Um, I love that your journey, not just in your own walk, but in your academic journey has leads us into the same place, into truth, yeah. which is beautiful. And, you know, I'm challenged by, by the Apostle Paul. At the end of his life, he says, I'm the chief of sinners. And yeah. hearing God, knowing God, walking with God carves out increasing humility in us doesn't it we get it does i mean then the more like if if i can his true confessions i mean i've now been through two doctoral programs and i if i ever thought i didn't feel smart beforehand i now know i'm dumb as a rock <laughs> i get it <laughs> i remember thinking <laughs> oh, i'm fairly okay when i went into my phd and as the more i went into it, i thought i oh, i know nothing I <laughs> It's true, isn't it? Oh, it's overwhelmingly true. Yeah, so but, now I walk really softly, even what I got the PhD in. I know that once it gets published, all the big boys and big gals that have been in this for years are going to take their shots at me. So I'm ready to just say, oh, yeah, I know I didn't get that right. I didn't get that right. I'm just, I'm a kid trying to figure this out. Oh, I'm so with you. And um, yes, well, Mark, we appreciate your contribution to this space and the ministry you have. And I know when I first met you, I certainly sensed that deep, profound humility and grace um, of, of loving Jesus on your life. So thank you for all you do. Thank you well, for thank the form call that you carry. And I pray that God will continue to, to use that message on your life to increase across the world. Thank you again for being on our show today. It's been such an honour to have you. Well, Just quickly before we close, Mark, um, if there's anyone listening who'd like to know more about your ministry, um, your coaching, uh, I know that you're on TV across the US. Where would they go to? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually on 200 Nations Around the World on Daystar. Um, so, but they can go to our website at www.markcharona, M-A-R-K-C-H-I-R-O-N-N-A.com. And it's got all the menu of all the things we're doing. Beautiful. And your favorite book that you would recommend, perhaps, that reflects a little bit on what we've shared today? You know, believe it or not, the one book that became the, the seed for my real appreciation for the prophetic was in 1979, Walter Brueggemann, The Prophetic Imagination. Excellent. I had a friend who's reading that at the moment. So excellent recommendation. Thank you again, Mark. It's such a joy Thank to you, learn you. from your journey. Bless you. You too. Thanks for listening to God Conversations with Tanya Harris. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast app. And remember, the Holy Spirit was given so we could all hear God's voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.